Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. God just wants me to share something in my heart to you, to cause you to rise up and to rise up into what God has promised for your life. And um, yeah, we, Sharon, uh, Sharon and I, Anna and I was talking earlier um, this morning and, um, and just before she um, texted me and said, happy Father's Day, Dad, um, I'd just been going over some of the promises of God. How often do you go over the promises of God in your life? And, um, and as I was going over them, I remembered the, some of you are going to get baptized in a few weeks' time. My baptism, the verse that was given to me was be imitators of Christ and walk in love as Christ has loved us and gave himself as a sweet-smelling savor to God on our behalf. That's from Ephesians 5 verse 1. And so I was just sort of just going over those things and saying, Lord, I thank you for the word that you've spoken into my life. And um, that's a great word to keep pursuing every day of your life, you know, to be imitators of God. And um, even as Christ was, so it gives us the whole thing of pursuing God, but also it gives us the person who we're to be like. I've heard me said a few weeks ago, that so often we get caught up with patterns and principles. And listen, they're okay if you're putting something into place in your life. You need to have a pattern. You need to have a principle. But let me tell you, you can get into a whole load of legalism through that. And we need to step into the place where it's seeing the person of Jesus. And we see the practice. We see how he lived out his life. And he didn't live it by principles. He lived it out of a relationship with his father. Hallelujah. And so, you know, listen, if you're going through things, if you're needing to put things in place, it's good to put some principles there. But don't stop there because that was always meant to bring you to the place where you focus in on the presence and you look at the way that Jesus practiced his own spiritual walk with his father. And so that was the one verse this morning. The other was from 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And I was just thanking the Lord for the very fact that I am a new creation. You might not think it, but I am. <laughs> and, uh, and just saying to him, Lord, thank you that so much of my life has passed by. The things that would have caused me shame, the things would, which would have caused me to feel rejected in his presence, those things have been removed out of the way so that I can come with boldness to the throne of grace where I may obtain mercy. Don't you like that? You know, the whole thing is we don't get what we deserve, but we come to the throne of grace first before we come to mercy. Grace is I get what I don't deserve. And mercy is, I don't get what I deserve. So we come to get 
that which we don't deserve first because then that allows us to come before the throne of mercy. And so, you know, just looking at those two, and there's been many other passages, but those are two of my foundation passages. And I would just say to you, or get those foundation words into your life. Don't just go by other people's words and books and prophecies over your life. That is all good. But get what God has to say to your life and speak over your life because when that happens that becomes a foundation for you you can stand upon those things why do i say that about prophecy prophecy we prophesy in part and we know in part sometimes people give you more of their knowing than they do of god's prophesying that's not good and um and so this morning, I want to just speak to you about what the Father has for you. And I want to look then at three different types of fathers. They're all good, and every one of them. You know, I'm not going to talk about the absent father. I'm not going to talk about the abusive father. I'm going to talk about three different types of father, and they are all good. They're called patriarchs. That means they are the fathers of Israel. So some of you now are beginning to um, connect up what I'm saying. And yes, I have preached this message before. I looked at my notes and um, it was in 2011 I first preached this message. And that is because a good steward brings out of his storehouse things that are both old and new. So I believe today God's going to put some new things upon it for you. And also, there's another part of the message that I preached in 2006. So that's a long time ago. Some of you were never here. So for you, it's one of those messages that's new to you all. And some of you have heard the one message. I don't think you've heard the other part of the message. But for some of you who have heard me speak about the three fathers, it's going to be new to you as well. And I believe God will bring something new for you out of that revelatory realm um, for you. But there's a verse we often quote it here because we believe we're a supernatural church. And the supernatural church needs to be supernatural. If it isn't, then we need to stop saying what we are or what we're not. And, um, and so it says Paul prayed an apostolic prayer. And the apostolic prayer, you know where I'm going now, is Ephesians 1.17. And he says that uh, I pray that God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. We all love the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So that you may know him more. And, and everything that God reveals to us, it should always be to bring us into an experiential knowledge. Not just up here, but an experiential knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. If it doesn't do that, let me tell you, it's all it is a psychic experience. That is a soulish experience. We don't want soulish experiences, we want spiritual experiences. And then he says, so that you might know the hope to which he's called you. And that is, we've been singing that last song that we sung, that is the hope to which we've been called. Contained in there, all of the truth that you need to have hope. And then it says, and that you might know the glorious inheritance that he's put in the saints. You see, what does that mean? What does it mean? The glorious inheritance that he's put in the saints. 
Well, that's what I want to really focus on. Two things. I want to focus on inheritance and I want to focus on fathers. Listen, you can be a procreator in a few minutes, but it takes a lifetime to become a father. And so often is what we have is a lot of people who are procreators, but very little fathers. We could write that over the words of Paul. You have many procreators, but you don't have many fathers. You see, it's easy to bring something to birth. Well, I think it is. I brought two children into the world. We won't go any further. Okay, it's okay. But the thing is, that didn't take long. But it is a lifetime's journey to walk into fathering or fatherhood. And that's what is missing. You see, and with inheritance, inheritance, I couldn't put it any better than what Bill Johnson, I think it's Bill, but I think he got it from someone because I heard him quote it once and he said such and such. And such. It gets to a point where you, can, you, have to, you have to go back to Adam, you know, don't you? you know, he quoted, he quoted it. And so you get all the way back and in the end, it's just, you say it and you say someone said you know, and, uh, and he said this, that um, with an inheritance, you get for free what somebody else paid a price for. I put it like this. You get for free what somebody gave their life for. Because really, that's what inheritance is all about. It's about a generation that gave their life for something so that you could come into blessing. Wow. And that's what Jesus Christ did. Now, I want to tell you that God has an inheritance for you. There are inheritances. What is the glorious inheritance that he's put within the saints? Not just there for you to take. What is is it that he's put within you? Because we're wanting to be a people that know what God has put within us with regard to his glorious inheritance. And in scripture, I've turned up four different types of inheritances. That's good, isn't it? And um, you see that there's the inheritance that we've all received of the kingdom of God. God has given us an inheritance. And that inheritance is the kingdom of God. It says in Matthew 25, 34, it says that come blessed by my Father, take your inheritance of the kingdom. So there's an inheritance of a kingdom prepared for you since the foundation of the world. So God had this view that one day he would pay a price so that we could receive for free what he gave his life for. That's inheritance, isn't it? Some years ago, uh, how many years now since our parents died, Sharon? Six years ago. Uh, See, I don't don't remember death celebration or or death um, anniversaries. I remember our anniversary, 45 years this year. And I know the day too. So, <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, men. Okay. <laughs> and um, 
And, and the thing was this, what they had both worked all their life for, it was given to us and to our families. So we got for free. Now we have to do something with that in order to leave it in a better place, or should I say, to leave it with increase for the next generation. See, so often people get it and then they think that they've got to spend it all. We had a um, financial advisor who um, we were looking for some advice because um, we've got a little bit of money. It's not that much, but um, it's enough. Okay, we don't need anything. God has been good to us all of our lives. He really has. And, and so we were telling him, you know, what we, and he said, well, you've got this money. So we had an inheritance and just other things that all come about when you're 65. Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who are not, you've got that to look forward to. Okay, but while you're looking forward to it, I can tell you what it's like. Okay, it is okay. And, um, and so we were saying to him about, you know, we laid out this money that we got. And uh, he said, well, you know, the advice I would give you is start spending it. <laughs> you know, why have you saved all this money all your life and, you know, start spending it? Well, see, that is the way of the world. Can you see, just because you've got it, it doesn't mean that you just go and spend it. And so with that, so we, we took part of that and we got... Just so that, you know, we, we got a little cottage in France. And, uh, and yes, it has a swimming pool. And, uh, and we've just had the builders redo the decking on it. There you go. Gary and Hannah also enjoyed it last year. And, um, and so we've got that. But you see, that was to leave something for our family. So our family gather there every year. See, because we're wanting to leave memories. Listen, I'm not going to take the swimming pool with me. Okay? But what I will have done is I would have left memories. And of a life that was lived. And a life, I believe, that was lived for Jesus Christ. See, so, so inheritance is that God has blessed us with a kingdom. And so he paid a price for it so that we come into the blessing of it. So there's that. That's the first one, the kingdom of God. Also, God has given us the inheritance of his promise. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 6. Who through faith and patience inherit what was promised. And so who through faith and patience you see, so often we're wanting to receive everything now. And it doesn't work like that, does it? If you don't believe me, ask Abraham. Abraham was told that he was going to have a son and it was 25 years later. That's a long time. Can you see? And so here you start to see that if God has promised you, you keep holding on to it in faith and with Patience. See, don't try and bring it quicker than you should get it. Because there's problems attached to you trying to work it all out yourself. We might touch on that. 
And the, sec- the third thing is God's blessing. To this you were called, 1 Peter 3, 9, to this you were called, that you might inherit a blessing. Who wants blessing? You know, I want to be a blessed person. You know, we have enough cursing that goes on in this world. And we need to be a people who know what it is to be blessed. What does blessing mean? It means that God has provided a pathway through life so that you can succeed and accomplish all that he has planned and all that he has purposed for your life. And that the enemy cannot thwart God's plan in your life. A curse is that the devil has put everything in your path to stop you being successful, to stop you pursuing the call of God, to stop you coming into all that God has for your life. So that you live a very dismal and destructive lifestyle. Now, I tell you what, I want blessing, don't you? And listen, blessing doesn't equate to what you have in the bank or you have in your pension or you have in whatever it is, wherever you keep it. Okay, that is not it. That's, that's wealth. Blessing is something different. We can all be blessed. We're being blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So that means everyone here has been blessed. Give him praise this morning. So that's the third thing. God's blessing. To this you were called. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that God called you to blessing? Huh? You know? He said, hey, Richard. (laughs) Blessing. (laughs) You know, when somebody says that, you don't turn around and say, so I didn't hear you. I mean, my, my dad, my dad. He, he wore hearing aids. And, uh, and I just want to say, Father, thank you. I had a stroke. The one good thing that came out of the stroke was I got my hearing back. Huh? I mean, it's <laughs> even, even my consultant said, you're the first person I've ever spoken to that something good has come out of a stroke. Come on. I said, well, I said, well, listen, God is good. And he's good all the time, you know. So, uh, so, but my dad, he was quite deaf. But you'd only have to say, who's that five pound note on the floor? You wouldn't have to say it loud. Like, who's that five pound note? It's mine. You know, that's what he was like. And, and I would say to him, dad, there's none so deaf as those who don't want to hear. You know, and... Uh, And so here, there's God's blessing. You were called to blessing. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus. So if you're in Christ Jesus, that is for you. God will give it to you. And so here then, the the fourth thing is God's glory. It says the wise inherit honor. That word honor is kabod. So the wise inherit glory. God wants to put glory upon you. What does glory do? Glory sets you apart with dignity and honor. Glory puts you in a place so that other people see something about your life that radiates his presence. That's what glory does. And he says, and the wise. 
You know, listen, you have been, you have been brought into the wisdom of God through Jesus Christ. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. It says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now listen, fear is not cowering in his presence. That's not what fear is that sense of awestruck wonder. A being called into the presence of God. See, now listen, that is inheritance that every one of us has been given here. Every one of us. And so when we start talking about this inheritance, you see, God puts it in broken clay pots. We have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the all-surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And then it goes on to say we were hard-pressed, but we're not crushed. We are persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We are knocked down, but we're not destroyed. And there's another one, but I forgot which one it is. But I've given you three. There's four of them. And, and so here, you see, the, the thing is this. We want the treasure, but we don't like what happens in life. See, because we have this treasure in earthen vessels. I woke up this morning, probably first time when I first woke up. Uh, I didn't know whether it was a vision or whether it, I was just thinking about it. But um, the second time I woke up, Sharon was getting coffee. And, uh, and I, said, I said, I don't know whether it was a vision or what, but I, I saw three pots. And um, the one was broken, the one was empty, and the one was being poured out of. And, um, and then I thought about, as we were talking, I said, you know, there's a, a Japanese art form. And I think it's called Kintsugi. Speak up. Kintsui. There you go. If I've said it right, great. If I haven't, look in um, Google afterwards. And, uh, and the thing is this, how it came about was there was this wonderful piece of, of um, a tea set. I think it was the, the actual um, teapot. It broke and they sent it to China to have it repaired. It came from China to have it repaired. And what they did was they stuck staples in it. And it looked so ugly that what they did was they said, we need to do something different to this. And so they used this art form of putting wax through the joints that are, or through the cracks. And then what they did, they poured gold through it. And so then what happens was the gold melts the wax and it... Um, cements the two parts together and it seals it and and so the the phrase that they use is it made that which is ugly even more beautiful and so that was the first part that was broken and um, the second part was the part that was empty and I feel that um, you may be broken here this morning but God wants to put that gold through. What does gold represent? His glory. See, the wise inherit glory. 
God wants to put that weight of his presence through your life and bring those parts that are fragmented back together. Isn't God good? He is a great God and a wonderful, wonderful father. And then there's the empty pots, and the empty pots need filling. You see, you may be empty, you may have run out, you may have given and given and given, and then you realize there's nothing there. And so you need to be filled. And, uh, and then there's the pots that are pouring out. They continually go to the source to be poured out. And, um, and so I, was, I woke up with those thoughts and you know, and I feel that that is for, you know, people here this morning. God wants to do one of those three things. Now, don't think that you're here and you are exempt. I believe every single person here this morning, in the sound of my voice, you are in one of those three places. Now, you can, you can hear, you're in one of those three places. And you can say, that's not me. <laughs> but then, is all you would be doing is telling yourself a lie. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I can't make it any plainer than that. And, um, and so then, the worst thing is that you are deceiving yourself. That's not good. See, so we either need to have God's beautifying treatment to our lives. We may need him to fill us up. And we may need to keep pouring out. See? And, and every one of us is in one of those places. Now, the thing is, even if you say, well, I'm not empty and I'm not full, well, then it means that you're pouring out. And that's good too. But you are in one of those three places. <laughs> See, I got you. Or God did, should I put it that way? And so, you know, for us, how do we handle what God has given to us? How do we handle it? How do we handle our inheritance? And um, I want to, all that I've said, I just want now to flip over into the lives of the three patriarchs. Some of you have heard me share this. Because I, I do believe that there's three, and you know, the three patriarchs, that is three old men of the Bible, and that is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are the three patriarchs. And um, God mentions their names right throughout Scripture. And it says that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so that gives us a sense that God is a generational blessing God. Doesn't it? He wants to bless generations. He didn't want us to consume what we have on ourselves. And, um, and I know Ryan has been talking about the outpouring and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's been great. And, um, and I have listened to most of what was um, shared here. But that is so that we can be filled and keep pouring out. That's the reason. And so what we pour out is his glorious inheritance. Well, what is his glorious inheritance? The gifts of the Spirit. The, the motivational gifts. You know, of who you are. Also, it's that sense of the gifts of Christ to the church. 
Those are just some of the things. Also then there is the blessing of God. We've said the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. That's a blessing. You know, he talks about being like a, a fruitful olive branch, always flourishing in the house of the Lord. There's a place where we flourish better than anywhere else. And so God is a God who wants to release blessing from our lives. Listen, we live in a world that is full of curse. I don't know about you, but yesterday I had this thought, and I thought, do you know, the, probably the biggest pilferers, do you know what pilferers are? They steal. Do you know what the biggest pilferers are at the moment, this moment in time? Our government. And I mean that, and you, you don't hear me speak negatively about the government, but I do believe that they are pilfering and they're allowing people to pilfer, and that is to steal what you have saved hard for. Why? Because they have no value on inheritance and passing on a blessing to another generation. So what happened last year? They pilfered our finances by heating costs. Now they're pilfering it by what? The same types of money by mortgages that many of you will have to renew. And so what are they doing? They're making it so you don't have anything to hand over or to bless. Apart from the people who are over your life. And I'd say to people, if you can get out of mortgages, get out, get out of it as quickly as you can, you know. And God will find ways to do that. We had a woman who came into this meeting, came into one of our meetings in many years ago. And um, she was looking for, to God for, to clear her mortgage because she was in a terrible financial strait. And she came to the front, she prayed. She said, Lord, I said, what would you like God to, she, to clear my mortgage debt? She got home and there was, I think it was 60,000 pounds had been put into a bank account since she left here and got home and she cleared her mortgage with it. Come on. That's what God can do. Now listen, it would be great if everybody was like that, but what it showed to us, we use that to step into a place of faith. They inherit the promises through what? Faith and patience. Can you see? And so... As we look through this, what happens? Because I know that if you're not in that place yet, you will go through, and the Bible talks about going through times of famine. And yes, it is a Father's Day message. Why? Because it's Father's Day and I'm preaching. <laughs> okay? You can bend it and shape it. And, oh, yes, it did fit. And, uh, and so... Um, this, what I want to, to share is what happens. What happens when we go through times of famine? I'll come to those bits in a little while. I don't need that. And um, you see, famine, famine is about insufficiency. It's not having enough. We can all go through famines in our lives and it's being incomplete and it's having an inability to actually make our way comfortably through life. That's what famine is. And listen, let's not think that God at times sends famines. We don't like hearing that, 
But he does. If you read in Amos, it says, The Lord, I am sending a famine, not of bread, but of hearing the word of God. Because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God wants us in relationship with him. And so here, we can talk about inheritances, but what about when we're going through these times of famine? What happens in our lives? What does famine do in our lives? I've got three things here. And it was in Amos 8, chapter, verses 11 and 12. What famine does, it produces unpredictable changes. That's what famine will do. Unpredictable changes. We have people here from different nations, different regions, and there have been unpredictable changes. Unpredictable changes regarding climate, regarding health, regarding our income. See, that brings an unpredictable change into our lives. You know, the woman who had the issue of blood, it says she, she sold everything. And rather than getting better, she got worse. Can you see? That's an unpredictable change that came, came into her life that was caused through her health and the issues of her health. Can you see? So we go through these times. I've gone through health issues myself this last 16 months. But God... See, by faith and by patience, you keep pressing in to receive the inheritance. But it has been times of famine. There's things I could and couldn't do. I wasn't free to just do whatever I wanted to do because there was this checkup, that checkup, all the rest of it. And I'd say to people, you know, don't fear, don't fear the medical profession. And if you, go to, uh, if you go to the doctors, then do what the doctor says. Otherwise, don't go. Just saves a lot of wasted time. Richard's saying, yes, Trevor. <laughs> and, and listen, the thing is this. You still have to make the decision. So whatever they tell you, you come to the place by faith and by patience that you hold on to the promise that God has given you. Can you see? They're not in conflict. They are complementary. If you don't believe me, you'll get to ask Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke. Very good doctor of his day. And so here, there's those unpredictable changes. What about Naaman? And I could go on lots of others. And then also, there's unprecedented movement of people. I don't know if your heart was moved this last week with a boat carrying hundreds of people. And see, the weakest are always put at the bottom of the pile. And so the children were put in the hold. And nobody from the hold got out. But I wonder, see, unprecedented movement of people. And so that brings about change. Can you see? And it creates a whole lot of responses in us. 
It will create responses that to put them out at sea on a barge is good because it takes them from our doorstep, gets rid of the problem for us. Or we can take another stance and we can say, well, it's France's problem and we shouldn't be having to deal with it. But the fact is, they arrive on our shores, they become our responsibility. And God will always bless a nation who will give refuge to the orphan, the widow, and the helpless. God will always bless. And so, you see, we have to rethink what we're doing in times of famine because that's what God does. Some of you hearing me say that will think, oh, Trevor, I've got to rethink some things because of how I'm viewing all of this. You know, and listen, we can look at it. They're not all scoundrels. You know, but there are scoundrels well no they're not scoundrels here this morning but there are people who were scoundrels weren't we but God can you see so so this whole thing we have to we have to rethink because this is what happens there's an unprecedented movement of people and uh, and what happened you've got it in the Ruth that was an unprecedented movement of people. There was a famine, so they went to Moab where there was bread. And there was all the people that went, but then all the people moved back because that's what happens in times of famine. People will go, if you've got no bread, let me tell you. Listen, we need to thank God. Thank, count your blessings, name them one by one. We need to thank God that you've got bread on your table because there are so many people today that have got no bread on their table. I picked up yesterday uh, a letter from Johnny um, Johnny uh, from um, and his wife Tanya Lynch. Lynch from Ukraine and they've been out in the floodplains of Ukraine and is all that they're doing is giving people a Caligas stove so they can cook something warm and helping them with food great work he's doing and uh, just people like that but you see that could be us but it's not. But we can't close our hearts to people. Can you see? Because this is what happens in times of famine. And so here, it's not just about, you see, we need to get hold of the Father heart of God. The Father heart of God is so that the church is put here to be an ambassador of reconciliation. Bringing people back into order with God. Hallelujah. And so there's this unprecedented, just like in Ruth, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons, the name was Elimelech, and then it goes on. And then they got, when they got there, it even got worse because the two sons of the daughters died. Can you see? Don't think. Don't think that we're on this, you know, slow boat to wherever. That bad things happen to good people. And it's how good people, the people of faith, respond to it. You see, it says the righteous are knocked down, but they get up seven times. 
So listen, we cannot just say, oh, we're going to have this wonderful blessed life as we go through. What happens when your life isn't being blessed? What happens when you do have sickness? What happens when you haven't got the money to pay the bills? We still have to believe that there is a God who is able to provide for us. And he will provide a table in the wilderness. He has promised to do that. He said, pray, my Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. He doesn't tell us to pray that prayer and then say, sorry, I'm not giving it to you. Even when there's nothing. And I would say there's a lot of people here this morning that you know what it is when there's been nothing to put on the table. No bread, no nothing. And God has still been good. Come on. Can you see? And so here. But that's what happens. And then there is the enslavement of traffic people. Can you see? The one flows into the other. And so there is enslavement. The people went down to Egypt because there was a famine in the land. And when they got to Egypt, what happened? They were enslaved. Listen, Wilberforce passed a bill to um, abolish slavery in this country. But let me tell you, the world has more slaves today than ever it had. It wasn't abolished, yes, by law. But you see, the principle... But the practice didn't get touched. Why? Because the practice comes out of relationship with a person. And so here, these things carry weight in our everyday lives. And I want, I want the supernatural reality of heaven breaking in. I am placed here, you are placed here. So in the place where you live is a place where you're going to make that place look a little bit more like heaven when you've gone. Come on, that is what we're here for. And it isn't talking about the world. I heard somebody praying this morning, Gary. It wasn't, it's not talking about the world. My world and your world is this little piece that we live in. That is the only responsibility that I've got, that you've got, that can influence. I cannot influence the people in Africa. I I cannot influence the people in India. But when I go, that little bit of territory that God has given to me, it is that that I try and make like the kingdom of heaven comes. And I leave a mark there. Why? Because that's my set time and that's the exact place. It isn't all out there. Listen, for all of you here this morning, you cannot love the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes him should not perish but have eternal life. We have to get back to reality. The reality is my life counts when I'm touching somebody else's life and I'm making their life better and their life more like a reflection of heaven. That's when I'm doing God's work. Hallelujah. Are you with me this morning? And so here, it's just that we need to Focus in on where we are. You see, the enslavement of people, what happens? Transference of land rights. We have people here from Zimba, from Ukraine, the transference. People are taking land away from people. They're moving ancient boundary lines. That's a curse. 
and the world does nothing. And so here, we have to get real. We are here to be ambassadors, reconciling the world through the work of Jesus. It isn't about come by yar and let's have a good time. It is about being so impacted with the kingdom of God, being blessed so that we receive this inheritance so that we have more than we need in order to give to others. Also with this famine, there comes unproductivity and opposition. And so here, there is famine that's brought in through these things, but also calamities bring in um, famine. Also, there is wars that bring in famine. And you see, we're looking at one place, but there's lots of places who are being impacted by what is taking place in one nation. And let's call it Ukraine. There are lots of other nations being impacted. But it just seems, folks, that we seem to go by all those things, we think. But the thing is this, we're still going to be pillaged, as I said, or pilfered. See, because this is all that's happening around us and we can be on the Titanic singing the songs or playing the songs and the whole thing is going down. See, we have to do something different, church. We have to be of a different spirit. We have to be of a different people making a difference, talking into and speaking into the lives of other people so that we're getting their lives back into track. Let me tell you, if Putin were to get his life back on track, he would repent. And so here for us, calamities bring in, wars bring in all manner of things that take place. People begin to move away. Wouldn't you move away from a war zone if you lived there? And here we are. People say, well, how long are they going to be here? Listen, if you're from another nation, you can be here as long as you need to be. And I pray that God would change this government so that those who are fleeing would find a place of refuge and this nation would still be a place where people seek to come because they know the people of the United Kingdom would do them good and not do them harm. Amen? That is what we're after. And so here, also calamities, it is an end time sign that things are drawing to a close, but I'm not. But things are drawing to a close because all of these things, it's unprecedented what's going on. We pick up news like that. One minute over here, the next minute, 5,000 miles away, and you can pick up another snippet of news. And then the next second, another snippet of news. Can you see? And so here we have news bombarded at us. We get so overloaded with need. Until the point comes where need doesn't touch us. Do you understand? That's what happens. Because you can only take so much. Aren't you thankful that God so loves the world? He can, he can listen to every need of six billion people and not be overloaded. That's a great God, let me tell you. And not only that, but he has a plan and a purpose from before the foundation of time for every single individual. That is so good. And so for us, 
as I'm starting to um, bring things to a close this morning, let me just get responses, our responses from these three men. And so you find here, there's three responses to famine. There's three responses to calamities, to wars, to situations where people are losing everything, where we feel that we don't have enough to provide for our families. And, and listen, I cannot begin to understand experientially what that is like. Do you understand? But I've listened to the stories of people and it would break your heart. You know, the, the girl I said about a few weeks ago coming into the home, uh, uh, uncles, not her parents, uh, uncles have taken her back to the village and they won't allow Bunu to go and visit her. Because when they get there, she said, oh, she's not with us today, she's with her auntie. And so they're keeping her in a place of believers, but now they've begun to pray. And do you know what they're praying? God, would you bring um, Sunita into the home here so she finds a home? Can you see these are the things you see? That is where we impact the world. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because we're doing something. We are, we're changing that location, that time space. We're changing it so that lives can be transformed. Hallelujah. And so here, they, how do we respond? You see, with Abraham, he was a pioneer. Any pioneers here? See, you're great people. You really are. You're great people. Pioneers, they can go virtually anywhere. And um, a pioneer can make anything happen anywhere. That's what Abraham does. It says here now, now there was a famine in the land, so Abraham went down to Egypt. God didn't tell him to go. He didn't get a word. He didn't get a visitation from an angel. He just thought, I'm going down to Egypt. Why? Because he's a pioneer. Pioneers will always cut a track when no one else has gone and they will cut a track so that others can follow after them. As that song by Rick Pino says, others who come may build bigger, better, and they may do it faster. But he's the pioneer who gets there, finds a way where there isn't a way. That's a pioneer. So in times of famine, we need fathers to rise up. And listen, for the, for the women here this morning, I want you to hear this because it says in my Bible, there is neither male nor female. We're all one in Christ Jesus. I'm just using this term, but I want it to refer to every single person here, whatever gender you are. And God is very gender specific. <laughs> Let me just put that one in for you. Okay, and so here, see, he was a pioneer. He can make anything happen. Are you a person that knows how to make things happen? What about in business? God may be talking to you about business because if you can make it happen there, you can bring blessing over here. Do you see? And it says, so Abraham went up from Egypt. God didn't tell him to go up. He just thought it's time to leave. Because there is something in him. You may be that type of person. And, and the thing is that sometimes we can get ourselves and others into a lot of trouble. That's why we need people around us. Can you see? Abraham goes and uh, he, he's a pioneer and he's going after things. But um, he gets fearful when people start looking at his wife. 
And so he tells his wife to start telling lies. That's just the beginning of his problem. And uh, tell, to tell everybody that he's his sister, not his wife, because he was afraid that if they told him that it was his wife, they would kill him, and then they would take his wife. And, uh, and she would be um, used by the Egyptians. And so he makes up this, concocts this story. You see, and, and that's why pioneers, yes, they're men of faith, women of faith, but also they can bend the rules. And it's good to have people. It's great for me that I've got somebody like Sharon. Sharon, you can't bend the rules. And uh, she is there. No, you can't do that. Well, if we can just... No. You know, and she is like my rod of iron, you see. And, uh, and, you know, and it's good. You have to have the right people around you. That's why some of you are married to the people that you are. They're quite different to you, but it's okay. They will help you get there. Richard, they'll help you get there. And, uh, and so there's, so there's the, the pioneers. They can make anything happen. See, some of you are pioneers. You need to be a pioneer in business. There's a woman right at the back. You're wearing an orange and black striped. Yeah, you. Yeah, you just turned around. I don't, I don't think... I, I'm not picking on you now, okay? But I love it because you tell people... The person there in the, the sort of helmet with the visor and you're wearing boots and they turn around, you know. <laughs> Me? Yeah, you. <laughs> but, but that woman there, just stand up a moment, can you? Yeah. Because there is a pioneering on you and God says that you need to step out. You need to step out and don't step out to leave behind what you're doing now but you do need to reach out and take hold of what makes your heart sing because God says I put within you that ability to make finance and wealth out of what your heart sings over and he says so let your heart sing because there's things that you're going to need to pioneer so God bless you see that's that's an Abraham and, um, and then there's the Isaac. Now listen, these are all patriarchs. Okay? So, so there's a mixture. We, we have a little bit of these in us all. And um, so don't think, oh, I'm this and well, I'm not. Oh, I got that bit. And, listen, these are just sketches. So don't make a principle out of three people. And then you should, I'm, I'm one of these. But go over here and see how they work out in practice in you as a person. See what I mean? Because we get stuck over there, but if we get here, it becomes life to us. And so then there's Isaac. And it says Isaac is a settler. That's who he is. And, and the thing is this. Isaac... He's the one person of the Old Testament that there is a direct quote about him and Jesus Christ. It says the father loves the son in John 5. God loves the son and has placed everything in his hands. So it says of Jesus. In 
Genesis 25, it says, and Abraham put everything that he had into his son's Isaac hands. Can you see? And Isaac didn't leave Egypt or didn't go. He stayed in the land. He didn't run down to Egypt. He didn't get away from the famine. It says Isaac sowed in the land a hun- and he received a hundredfold in the time of famine. So he found a way to be fruitful, prosperous, and wealthy in the midst of famine. Listen, that takes an apostolic anointing too. Because Jesus is the chief apostle. So they all carry a little bit of him. And so here, he stays in the land. He's not intimidated by famine. He stays there. And he stays for as long as he needs to. And so here, he needs, you see, because as a settler and a pastor, he needed to be in a place of rest. And when he's in a place of rest, he receives an inheritance and God tells him to stay. Abraham can go where he likes. But God says to Isaac, I want you to stay here. Don't go down to Egypt. Stay here. And if you stay here, you'll get to sow. And when you sow, you'll receive a hundredfold even in the time of famine. So listen, if you're a settler, settle Settle the issue. Be at rest. When you see everybody else doing this, doing that, you don't need to do it. But what you do need to do is to do exactly what they're doing. You want looking to bring about that which, which can sustain life. See, this is what Holy Spirit is all about. That's why he gives us ideas. That's why he gives us ways to think about how we deal with situations and circumstance so that we're not all running into the same things. There are some people that stay and what they do is they just cause things to happen around them. Hallelujah. Can you see? And so with all of these things, you see, he doesn't go down. And then there are the Jacobs, the pursuers. And uh, see the, the pursuer, they persevere, they're stubborn, they're dog-headed, nothing's going to stop them, and uh, they won't let go, and um, they won't be told what to do. And so they fight, and they fight, and they fight, because I'm here, and you're there. I'm going to get through all of this. That's, that's a Jacob. And, and the thing is this. You don't find, with Isaac, you don't find him engaged in any battles. Who likes fighting? <laughs> I know you do, Tom. <laughs> just, you know, if you want to go to war, you know. <laughs> take Tom. You know. And you see... But there are people, you, you look at the life of Isaac, he doesn't fight once. You know, he just lives his life. And it's a blessed life and it's a fruitful life. And it's a life that passes on generational blessings. You know, but there's always shortfalls. You know, because he, he becomes, he loves a person who's more like him than... Um, 
than his other son. And so he loved Esau, and he didn't have really much time. You know, for Jacob produced a lot of sibling rivalry. That's not good, is it? And here he was, he, he wanted a peaceful life. See, we're called to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. There's a big difference. I'll let you work that out. By God. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they inherit the earth. You see, peacemakers, not peacekeepers. It's awful but trying to be a peacekeeper. And so here, that's Isaac. Then there's, there's Jacob. And um, when he has seen something, he won't let go. But he had dog-headed and he's prepared to struggle, to make things happen. Harder to struggle. The harder the struggle, the harder he presses in. Tenacious, obstinate, relentless. And, and that's, that's um, Jacob. It says, now there was famine and was still severe in the land and God spoke to Jacob in a vision at night and he said here I am and he says don't be afraid go down to Egypt see God knows God knows that this guy Jacob I can send him to Egypt because he's going to battle down there he'll he'll get things sorted out you know and and that's him you see God has a journey for each one of us and don't listen if God has put something of Jacob in you don't be afraid of it because you're necessary see in his generation it was necessary for him to pursue away and when there was bread in Egypt plenty of corn in Egypt it needed a Jacob to say to a nation let's go down and so with that, a nation was saved through Joseph being put in a position, but Jacob needed to go down. Can you see? And with Jacob's, they're ready to pick up what other people don't want. So Esau, he couldn't care less about his birthright. So Jacob, he says, okay, I'll take it off him. And so what does he do? He makes some soup. Lentil soup, I think it probably was. And, and he said to him, yeah, you can have some of my broth, but give me, give me a birthright. And Esau didn't pay any attention. He said, yeah, you can have it. What good is it to me if I die? See, he had no connection to generational blessing. Yeah. Can you see? Let's stop that even in our own lives. See, we do need at times to be the bit of the Jacob in us that will cause us to go after things. And then when he was losing everything, he was left alone, there was a man that came to fight with him. But the fight was a no contest. But you see, the thing was, God still needed to bring something out in Jacob. And from that point on, you see the strugglers and the battle the people who battle and fight, let me tell you, they always pick up a wound somewhere. And it will cause their walk with God to be different than it was before. Listen, don't think you've all got to go around sort of, you know. But there's something that happens as a Jacob characteristic in your life that will always cause you to walk differently after an encounter with God. So that you can bring a nation into blessing. 
See, that was his thing. And God said to him, go down, it's okay. And you know the stories. So let me round things up for this morning for you. You see, what is it God has placed in you to do? It's Father's Day. And we have a great father. And with that, he has poured out blessing on us all. See, three patriarchs, all different, but all was able to sustain life in times of calamity, times of war, times of famine, times when there was nothing, times when it was difficult to put food on the table. And let me tell you, we're going to need to rethink some things in terms of church, in terms of finance, in order that we are a blessing to the people of God. Um, here in our own um, fellowship in the months and the that are coming to us. Yes, we've been in a place where God has blessed us, but listen, there may come time when there's famine and we have to then start to look and take care of one another because that's what it's like in the church of Jesus Christ. We don't know what's facing us, but let me tell you, I, I've been up ahead a little bit and it's not good. It's not good of where we are going as a nation. It really isn't. Um, but I do believe that we could be a place where the pioneers, the settlers, and the pursuers, the strugglers, work together. And as we work together, we find that there still is plenty of corn in the place of famine for the people of God. And for us to be a blessing to those around us. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.